Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Carol Francis Talk Radio Show. Let's make life happen together with authors, scientists, researchers, both inside the box and outside the box of understanding so that you can live a life full of your success, curiosity, enjoyment, happiness, and richness of life in every respect. Let's go beyond our limits and let's help others go beyond their limits as well. Welcome. Oh, you will go beyond your limits today as you consider information by Donald Saunders, the author of a book that is all about what makes sense of life. He had an amazing experience, and he calls it the knowledge. And it was downloaded into him in a rapid fashion. And while we wait for him to get connected to us, I just want to let you know that today is going to be about you considering a new paradigm that actually isn't so new because it ties together so many features of ancient teachings, ancient teachings from the Hindus, from Christ, from the Old Testament, from Kabbalism. We can find traces woven in what uh, Donald Saunders received in this amazing 24-25 minute experience that, that kind of tied all together, but it goes beyond that. It goes into the realm of science as well. And we know now in the studies of the students, the scientific students, the students who are the scientists of this planet, and as they study consciousness, the whole field of consciousness now has a scientific division to it that is associated to near-death or after-death experiences and associated to the study of the brain, neurology, as it ties in with quantum physics. And so we will be visiting also discussions related to Dr. Stuart Hameroff's work with the science of the consciousness, as well as individuals like Brian Clegg of the God Effect who ties in quantum physics to the understanding of what's going on inside of experience of our universe, as well as molecular consciousness. Now, you can call in at 626-414-3510 if you're listening to this live at this moment. But you are also welcome to listen, sit back, and soak this in because this is going to have many references to scientists you are going to want to research and read as you advance your understanding of what the field of science fields of science say about your experience as a human being, your destiny as a human being who will pass on and die, and perhaps your process, your participation in this universe as a consciousness. So again, 626-414-3510 would be the call-in number. Now, Don Saunders is, is planning, contemplating, a series of so many different books that will actually be able to uh, be read by you that are his take on how this information does tie in to your experience. Um, uh, hold on. I'm in the process of trying to give him information. He's having difficulty coming into here. And I'm going to once again give him the phone number, 626-414-3510. There we go. And um, his he, he has a series of books that seem to coalesce together into what you need to know in order to live your life, your life with purpose and meaningfulness. Now, I'm going to just reach out to Brian Clegg's book, that's C-E-L-E-G-G, when he talks about the God effect and the way quantum entanglement, which is one of the strangest of scientific phenomena, he states, really does 
point to the capacity of time travel, teleportation, and the ultimate computer that's related to quantum computation. And this experience of what went on in that research is actually associated to some things that Donald Saunders explored in his 24 Minutes download. You know, he has joined us. Donald, hey. Hi, Donald Carol. Carter, so glad to have you here. How are you? Well, we made it. I just uh, was one yes. number off on the phone, but we got it. Okay. You know, uh, Donald Saunders, I'm in the middle of already having introduced you and tied you into scientific research, tied you into um, so many ancient understandings and teachings that many are read by esoterics and many are forgotten because they're so esoteric. And here you are bringing this very modern version right down or, or something happened to you that brought this information down. So tell us a little bit as an introduction about what the principles of the knowledge are. The principles of the knowledge are now that we so far understand that you think are extremely pertinent to people changing their life. And then we're going to find out about how this happened to you at another time. What are the principles so far that you understand associated to the knowledge? Basically, um, the, everybody wants to have the 20 steps to success, and we, you and I have talked about that. So what I always like to do is when I'm standing talking to a group, I like to utilize the way that it works, which is to stand in the middle of what we'll discuss in, in the near future here of the particle soup that exists in that room. And why I like to wait and not do traditional PowerPoints is because the rooms that you walk in, the groups that you travel with, the, the sporting events you go to, the schools that you go through, all have a, an individual particle soup. And that particle soup contains thoughts, feelings, beliefs, emotions, information. And the vibration and the frequency from that particle soup is what gives me what we need to talk about in that particular session, in that particular room. So I, I actually spoke to a bunch of teachers um, one time, and, and they were all concerned that I didn't have PowerPoints. That was until I explained this particle soup concept. Now, there's four or five things that are fundamental, basically, that people need to ponder. And uh, the very first thing is I need to just clarify that I'm not trying to convert anybody to anything. Uh, this is transcends politics and religion and prejudice. Basically what I'm just doing is sharing information. And that information is the same information that we all tap into. So if everybody could just take a couple of seconds and list on a piece of paper the numbers one through five, We'll give okay. five, fundament, five fundamental things that I'm going to share with you right now. And then we'll discuss whichever ones you'd like to share. The first one is you and only you get to create the reality that surrounds you. Now, if you don't understand what I'm talking about right now, we'll, we'll clarify it very quickly for you. But the first one is you and only you get to create the reality that surrounds you. The second one that you want to write down is there is no time in the universe. Now, many speakers will coin that phrase, but they're not quite understanding what that means. And we'll, 
we'll discuss that if it's something that resonates with your audience. And we'll be able to tell that as you start to ask questions. Um, we really don't have much control over that. The third one is water has memory. And basically the fact that water has memory is something that's very fundamental to how this thing we call life works, and we've sort of missed it. Um, there has been studies by Dr. Emoto and other various people. Um, those studies have been torn apart. Some disagree with the findings. Some agree. But the reality is, is that when the knowledge came through me, it very specifically talked about that particular thought process that water has memory. So we'll discuss that as we progress. Number four, um, this is basically an interesting one because most people are pre-programmed. And what number four is, is the brain is simply a processor. It does not produce anything. We've been taught from a very young age that the brain determines our ability to do things. And I think that after you start to understand and grab onto the knowledge that has come through me for 7 billion people, you'll start to realize that you actually do have control of what you manifest or pray for, whatever earthly word you want to utilize. So the brain is simply a processor. And number five, we're going we're gonna to leave open, as I did with you when we first talked, and the reason I do that is that as the conversation progresses, we, I will know from the thoughts that come through me during the conversation which input I want to give you for number five. And as you know, there's hundreds of them, but I'm just going to hold on to that one. So let's start with the first four and, and see if you want to explore any of those. Okay, so, you know, one thing that I want the readers to know is not only are your books going to elucidate this, as does your first book, um, what's the name of your first book in, so I don't falter? Yeah, there's no, no problem. It's called The Knowledge, okay. and the, the subtitle is The Power of Knowing How Life Works. And before we go to Friday, how can they get a hold of that? <laughs> and they can, they, can order it on, they can order it on Barnes & Noble or Amazon.com, and there's, it's available in ebook form as well. Okay. So both of those, both of those sources are the best to go. Okay, um, so you have this book up, and it's a wonderful read. I'd read it on my uh, Kindle cloud. You know, I think your very first point uh, ties into so many books that have really are available to all the listeners: The Holographic Universe by Michael Talbot, The Divine Matrix by Greg Braden. Uh, the the God Effect by Brian Clegg, The Field by Lynn McCarrigan. I mean, we could actually go on and on and on. And, and there are other uh, books referencing your other points. But let's start with that you are part of this particle field, and just go down the steps you have you have arranged so clearly. Talk to us okay. about walking through that particle field. Well, and, and that's that is the critical piece, and it, and it ties in with everything. And it's, it's very interesting to me because um, one of the things that, that people should understand is that I am not a, what I would call a well-read person. Prior to my experience, I hadn't read any of the books you just referenced. 
And right. what happened after my experience was that hundreds of people started coming up to me and saying, have you read this? Have you read that? Have you read this? Mm-hmm. And the knowledge was so clear to me that it was an easy answer. Of course they've written it because the database that they're drawing their information from is the same for all of us. Right. And the difference is, is that particle field that I talk about, and, and I use particle field because it's something that people can relate to. It's a, it's a substance, if you will, that they can draw on. But please keep in mind that it's just an earthly word. And when I say particle field, it's using an earthly word to try to give you all a visual. In fact, sometimes I'll, I'll let people close their eyes and just imagine little dots floating around them that contain pieces of thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions. Because that's what you're sitting in. You're walking in. You're working in. You're playing in. That particle field of these pieces, the subatomic vibrations, if you will, that contain water, so they hold the vibration, basically Mm -hmm. makes up what I refer to as the particle field. And what you do on a daily basis is you walk through this particle field. Now, here's an important point. Please understand that what I'm going to do is cover book number one, but there's going to be 15 books as we progress. So sometimes uh, I will reference and say that's you're into book number eight or nine already. Now, those books have not been written, but the knowledge sits here with me. And the reality is is that society, humanity, is not ready for the, the other books yet because they're just grabbing on to now some of the scientific things that are taking place that affirm the information that I'm sharing with you right now. So this particle field that we walk through, if you can just imagine walking through a bunch of dots that are moving around in front of you and Assume that your body is the same as what's outside of you. And that's, a, that's like book number 10, so stick with me on this. But the reality is, is that because you are the same as the universal consciousness, as you walk through this particle field, you start to resonate with these pieces of these particles of information, thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and emotions. And when you resonate with something, you get to draw it to you. And a little bit later we'll talk about the boson, the God particle, the work that CERN is doing with where they spent $10 billion looking for some of these small subatomic minute particles, and they're starting to find them. The thing that's fun for me is when I watch them make this, this huge discovery about the God particle is that I don't think that they realize that there's billions of these because they're just now discovering how to identify them. And when they discover that they can identify these particles that we're walking through, and these particles draw other particles to them, they basically say that the God particle draws together other particles and forms mass. And the reality is is that our thoughts, when they resonate with the vibrations that we have created up to this particular point, when the thoughts that we walk through start to pull together, we get a completed thought. And because I'm not a mathematician or a scientist, 
I can't tell you how quick that is. I mean, it, it's probably one five hundred thousandth of a second that when you resonate with something, it starts to bring together the other pieces of that thought and you create your thought. And then what you do is if you like that thought, you either keep it or the other send, if you don't like it, you can get rid of it. But if you keep it and you, and you focus on it and you start to draw these other particles to that thought process, it becomes your reality. And that's why, very specifically, that we have 7 billion people in the world with 7 billion different realities. That's why we all go to work in a different place or a different way. That's why we all find each other differently because the reality that we build around ourselves is what we continue to draw. And then the brain processes these thoughts and pretty soon we've created our life. You know, it, it, it's just a wonderful way in which you say we can you know, celebrate our individuality and then simultaneously have influence over our individual experience of, of reality. And the, the complexity that you're able to retain in the way you're describing it is perfect because we're trying to reduce life down to just a few things. But you said there's 7 billion ways or every human being has a way and that's why there's this unique footprint or fingerprint of this individual is. And their fingerprint is the way they coalesce the particles, the field, and the idea of flow, vibration, waves, particles, neutrinos, so forth and so on, that, we, that they're moved through us and we move through them and there is this mutual impact. It's, it's wonderful to be able to maintain the complexity of this process. Now, can I ask you to comment on that and also what about people who are experiencing severe trauma, natural disasters, a rape uh, that's uninvited, uh, uh, molestation by a parent that you're born into the family of, these horrible circumstances, how does that fit into what you're saying in terms of on the human level what we create and then on even a bigger level what we can create? Put you on the spot well, here, Donald. <laughs> no, you didn't at all. It's, it, it, that's the fun part for me. Um, because it just sits here and I'm processing all of this, it, 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 it's here. So when you ask a question, it, we've already resonated together or we wouldn't be talking on this phone. So the reality is, is that when you ask a question, it, it's almost as if the question was already sitting there. In fact, we go, we're going to go to number five. Remember we did four of the key points, and we're going to yeah. do number five <laughs> right now. And, and we're going to put it in, in number five is the dominant thought always wins. The dominant thought always wins. And remember I told you that eventually that thought process would come clear to us and then we'd put in number five. And what you have just stated about all of the trauma and all of the things, it's critically to understand, it's critical to understand that when you walk through this particle soup, and let me refer to the secret. I'll just, I'll just use the secret. The secret was great. It, it talked about the law of attraction. It, it had lots of experts on there, and they were all explaining that all you need to do and things will come to you. But not one time during that entire process did they explain to you how the process worked. 
why is it that if you focus, you can bring these particles to you? And they never even talked about particles. They never talked about the thoughts and where they come from and how they're generated. And that's not a negative towards the secret, by the way. And if you haven't read The Secret, I recommend it. But what it was was a preparation in the evolutionary process of our learning. And that's why it was so successful, because so many people are trying to draw to them information on how life works. But we are so pre-programmed to believe that we're, we're driven by the mind and, and the brain. Excuse me, not the mind, because we'll talk about the mind later. But... For example, we're driven by the brain, and we're driven by what we learn and what the colleges teach us. And the secret was an evolutionary process to start to tell people in a very simple form, you can attract your own life. And that's where I step into building your own reality as you walk through this particle field. But there's a, and you bring it up, perfect timing. There is a problem with people that don't really understand this in thinking that what we're saying to people is that you've created the trauma in your life. You've created the, the potential to be raped. You have not. You have to stop blaming yourself because the force is not coming from your mind. The force is coming from the fact, or from your brain, excuse me, i got to keep correcting that, but the force is coming from outside of you. And these particles, these energies, these frequencies, basically are, they work for everyone, whether you have good in your soul or whether you have disaster and crime in your soul. So that when I say the dominant thought always wins, if you were a victim of a heinous crime, such as rape or, or any of the things that you can go on with listing, the reality is, is that you were in neutral. 99.5% of the people that walk around this earth are in neutral. They, they're not focused on anything other than what their reality has created for them. So when you walk around in neutral, you don't walk down the street expecting to be a victim. You just go through your life. Now, the reality is, is that there's somebody out there that has created their reality to commit crime, to do whatever crimes of passion and, and all of the crap that goes on in the world, the reality is, is they have a focus. They are dominating in the thought that they're going to go out and create havoc in the world. That's what their focus is. And the, basically, the psychologist will say there's history, there's an environment, Absolutely there is. They sat in that particle field and they processed those particles over and over again and they became a criminal. And so the people walking around this world in neutral are not sitting there focused on I'm going to be raped or I'm going to be robbed or I'm going to be beaten up in neutral so that the dominant thought of the perpetrator overtakes the neutral thought of the person just walking through their life. And, of course, they become a victim of that dominant thought. Now, that's inc incredible to think about. You become the victim of the dominant thought because it's not only that circumstance that I'm talking about, but I'm talking about your own personal circumstances. 
if you are constantly walking around thinking the skull the sky is falling, you can, through the power of your focus, make the sky fall somehow. And it may not be typical that the cloud drops out of the sky on your head, but the reality is is that you will bring negative thoughts, frequencies, vibrations that exist in the particle soup into your life. So the dominant thought works both ways. It can work in crime and all of the things we're talking about, but it also can work in your personal reality. And if you have a dominant thought in your reality that you're going to not succeed in life, that everybody's against you, that your relatives all hate you, that all of the things that we see in our everyday life, because we've built them into our reality, we're processing them over and over again, and we're creating our own realities based on our thoughts. And our thoughts create every single thing that we do, and the pieces of those thoughts, we get to build on those thoughts because for generations, generations upon generations, these thought particles are dissipated back into the universal consciousness when we pass away. So whatever reality we've created in a physical form, and we can, you know, when I get the book 13 and 14, everybody will understand the physical form better. But the reality is, is that when we die, we dissipate our realities for future generations to grab onto. And so it's critically important that people understand this so that they start to create good personal realities so that when they die, they replenish the universal consciousness with good things so that future generations can take over and live a life of love and compassion as opposed to the confusion, the greed, the hatred, the fear that we live in right now. Okay, so beautifully said. In other words, if an individual has experienced trauma, their, their freedom from that trap is not that they have to take responsibility for the past trauma, but that they no longer see themselves by being a neutral, unconscious, unaware, without taking uh, control of their circumstances in the present. And that as soon as they realize, oh, I've got this power, the power of the secret, the power of the knowing, the power of the creating, the power of thoughts, whatever it is, I have this power to now steer this boat with deliberation as opposed to letting the current just kind of take me back and forth. The more aware, conscious, and deliberate I am actively participating in my path, the less likely other individuals are going to dominate my path and steer it in ways that I don't want to. Um, it's, a, it, it, it's a great advocacy for saying, take charge, walk in blame and shame and guilt of the past because we're all evolving. We're all, are all gaining enlightenment over our own life. It's a, it's a, anything you want to say about that further, or shall we go on to point number two? Well, let me, let me just let me say a little bit more about this, because it's extremely okay. complex. Okay. If people will, will understand that how it works is the fact that everything, every thought, feeling, belief, emotion, has existence in the particle soup. And the reason it's so important to understand that is because this is a complex thing. For example, let me just use a robbery as an example. The person in the 7-Eleven is in neutral. They don't really expect that a robber is going to come in and hurt them. 
that's not how they go to work every day. If they really believed that they were going to be robbed, they probably wouldn't show up for work. But because of how it works, if that clerk is afraid that they're going to be robbed, they are creating into their reality the high potential that if there's somebody out there thinking of robbing a place and the vibrations match up with the person that says, hey, my 7-Eleven is here, why don't you come over here? Through the telepathic thought of tapping into the same particle soup under the same frequency and the same vibrations, you could be creating a situation that you're trying to avoid. If you constantly... If you think about robbing, if you say, I don't want to be robbed, I don't want to be robbed, I don't want to be robbed, you're in the middle of that particle soup that, that basically acknowledges some robbery, even, even though you're saying you don't want to be robbed, the other guy's saying that they want to rob you, the vibrations may align to the point where you actually create your negative reality through not wanting something. Simply by thinking about it, your thoughts are that powerful. And so Beautiful. when people say, well, what do, we, what do we do? And I just say, well, don't think about it. Go through <laughs> life. And then you, then you say, well, then we're in neutral and we're subject to the dominant thought. They're correct. And the fact is, is you have to thoroughly think through all of this to understand that you're drawing every single thought, feeling, belief, emotion, knowledge, information from the particle soup and how you create your reality and how you continue to process your reality through your brain is totally, 100% up to you. And that Mm -hmm. takes me up to the top where I said the very first thing, you and only you get to create the reality that you live in. I love it. Okay. I'm thinking of so many different things, and I'm walking this time going, no, I want my listeners to get all five points, so let's go on to number two. Because <laughs> I just want them to, like, coalesce inside themselves the whole matrix of what you have discovered. It's very powerful stuff. Okay, Donald, walk us into number two. Okay. You remind me exactly of the order. So what, what, what are we at with number two? <laughs> well, your first one is that we're walking through particles. And then your second one, go ahead. Was that you and only you get to create the reality that you walk through? Uh, Yes, I would consider that. Is that number two? And and keep in mind, when I I gave you one through five, (laughs) they don't always stay the same order. Oh, so that's okay. That's, well, I didn't know that. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I was just was trying that's to cover okay. we'll, we'll, your assistant we'll, without imposing it. You know, we'll um, cover them all. I guess, okay, I guess one of the stories I wanted to bring in while we're kind of thinking about, I'm going to let you think about what one you want us to go through to the next point in your own sense of how yeah. this is forming inside of you. But um, it was so funny. We have coyotes that are in our canyon, and I'm always fighting them off from um, my animals and my and the young children we have in our neighborhood. So it's really quite a little dance. And so we hadn't had coyotes around in a while. And it was thinking the night before last, oh, wow, they have not come and threatened any other wildlife in our canyon, nor my pets, nor the little kids next door for a while. Isn't that a wonderful feeling? So the next morning I wake up, and lo and behold, <laughs> my pups are outside. We're preparing breakfast. I'm actually late, which we're, we're kind of amused at because we're not usually late. And there is this huge, beautiful coyote right on my, my patio, two feet from our door. 
And I wow. know exactly what to do to haze these coyotes. I have mastered this. I am the dominant thought. You know, I own my property. These coyotes are not allowed to threaten our property. And surely that was the gesture. That coyote was so was within six feet of grabbing one of our cats and, and, and using it for breakfast. And I thought to myself, wow, that is such an illustration that the night before I'm thinking that they haven't been around. And we know those coyotes. You know, they, they're so stealth. And here he is completely resonating with me. So we're, we're having this mental process going on. I just think that's a funny illustration of what you were saying. But, Donald, take us to the next step. What's the next step inside of you that you know we just need to, to embrace in order to move forward? What's the next Absolutely. step? Absolutely. Well, okay. and, and what you just, the example that you just gave is, is awesome. And what I'd ask <laughs> your listeners to do is, now start to be aware. What I'd like to have everyone do is if they – you don't have to believe all of this stuff. You, you just don't. I mean, I'm not trying to start a cult or a new religion or anything. All I'm doing is sharing the knowledge that came through me. But what I would like to have you do is just open up your minds and ponder the possibilities that maybe it works differently than we've ever been told. And the reason that is is because nobody really knew. They never took time. They've always followed other people, leaders that said it works this way. And guess who keeps control of all of our thoughts on which direction we go, on who we elect to office, on what, what churches we join, and whether we're prejudiced or not. There's people, other people, that control because they have dominant thoughts of being leaders and eventually, and this is the dangerous part, because people start to understand the power of this, they'll start to take control of their lives again. But the reality is, is that the very next thing I want to talk to you about, based on what you just said, is that water has memory. And the thing that drives people crazy when they talk about this is they just can't relate to it. They don't understand what I'm talking about. Now, there was a gentleman, Dr. Emoto, that did experiments with water. And those experiments showed that if you show love and passion to a glass of water, you get beautiful crystals. And if you show anger and fear or just ignore the water totally, it becomes stagnant and, and there's no action at all. So he goes around and lectures the fact that water is memory. And we're not going to get into experience what happened, but I, I knew that water had memory through the knowledge, but I didn't know what it meant. And when I saw his video after the fact, it brought it all together, and I saw his video so that it would come together because I was struggling with it. But the reality is, is that water has memory. So think about the human body being 70 to 90% water. When we're young and vibrant and, and just being born, we're born into fetal water so that that water gives us a great chance to remember what we're supposed to do next, and that's to grow and to nourish and to, to expand and to thrive. And then we get out into the world, and over time what happens is that water is depleted. The memory is depleted. I'm going to just use the words Alzheimer's, and I'm not going to go into it too deeply, but the reality is, is that as your water is depleted, your memory and your thought process is depleted as well. Now, these, the, it, it's important.
important to understand that the subatomic water molecules exist in the particle soup throughout the entire particle soup. Everything that surrounds us is water or we would dry up and blow away. And so all of these molecules have a place to store these vibrations that I talk about. So in the particle soup are these subatomic molecules of water that have memory. And therefore, when we walk through the particle soup, we are able, through the neutrino process, through the boson process, we're able to grab these particles, put them together, and complete a thought, feeling, belief, emotion instantaneously. And then, because of the makeup of the cells in our body, we're able to store those thoughts. So when we store the thoughts, we're able to keep them. The reason that as we get older, we start to lose those thoughts is because either the water in the cell becomes neutralized or it dries up, period. And so that is part of the issues. One of the things that I always talk about is structured water because good, good quick example for you. When I was growing up, we grew up on wells. And my mother would always throw in all the things she thought was doing as well in this, in, and that would be fluoride and chlorine and trying to kill anything that might be in the natural well. My neighbors never did that. They just drank the, it was actually a terrible taste compared to <laughs> what we were drinking. But the reality was is they were drinking natural spring water. They had not been polluted by cities or any purification or anything taking place. It was natural country water. Every one of those kids in that family were always the head of their class, and they were geniuses. And I used to work with the kid on the hay wagon, and I'd always wonder, why are you so much smarter than I am? Your brain must be huge. Well, now I understand why. It's because the water, the structured water that they were drinking, contained clear path to memory. And so they weren't, there was no contamination, there was no filtration, there was nothing that took from the, the actual molecule of water. And so that structured water, and I, and I will tell you, I didn't understand structured water when the knowledge came to me. It took some digging and some understanding insights as to what the structured water meant. There are people out there that will say they sell structured water, but the reality is, is that it's tough to find structured water because everything, even if they put a device on your house and say that they're going to give you structured water, the reality is, is that the environment that we live in has been polluted by all of the carbons and all of the things that are in the air, and so it's tough to find pure, unblemished water. But I know that okay. it's out there because there's still country farms that have wells and those animals flourish and so don't the farmers understanding how life really works because those people will have love and compassion in their life. Hmm. It's, okay, so a question for you that I'm going to kind of process. The book that, uh, is available to listeners. It's called The Hidden Messages in Water by... Masuru Imoto, and it, it was a New York bestseller at, at when it was first initiated out there in the public. Again, the hidden message in water. Now, um, I know that with the power of belief, which Bruce Lipton has researched on a mic, um, molecular, cellular level, 
Um, and and then related to Emoto's work that he just takes ordinary water from all sorts of different locations. He puts a word on, on the bottle. He crystallizes it. And that word will have more impact on the crystalline structure than actually even the source of the water, whether it's a polluted uh, Yangtzeing River in China or or a fluorided water. And um, so with you saying that we have the power, the dominant thought, can we take any form of water and impose our thought processes through the power of belief? Bruce, Bruce Lipton again through uh, Emoto's work, through your discovery, and say to that water, love, and, and, or Reiki, or whatever uh, process that we can radiate into that water and change the structure of the water. What, what's your impression, given what you know? <laughs> you walked me right into the, I think, number four. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, there is no time in the universe. Here's the key. This is important to understand this. If you have a belief that you can change a glass of water, and you focus on that for a short period of time, and then you get frustrated because nothing has happened. Nothing's changed in that water. It's still murky. It just isn't cleared up. You have mixed thoughts, and basically those mixed thoughts say, this doesn't work, and then somebody else, such as a Dr. Emoto, knows that it works. And so he stays and he spends years focused on making sure that he does nothing to that glass of water except positive thoughts. And the, the difference in success and failure in your reality is the amount of focus the belief that you have, and whether or not you receive the answers when they arrive. That would be number six, by the way, if people want to make more of the list than just five. Focus, believe, and receive. So with that question that you have about can you change a glass of water, if you have 100 people and all 100 people are really focused on wanting to change murky water into clear, drinkable water, if they stay there long enough, their powerful beliefs, especially in a group, will make the changes necessary. Just like we will with humanity when people understand that their thoughts create the world that we live in. And so the bottom line is, I said there's no time in the universe. When I say there's no time in the universe, what I'm saying to you is very clearly when you manifest, when you pray, when you ask some outside source to give you the proper answers, what happens in society is that we ask for something and then we put it on a calendar or a clock. And we say, in the next 30 days, I'd like to be wealthy. Or in the next 20 days, I want to be free from cancer. Or whatever we're looking for, whatever we're praying for, whatever we're manifesting. And then when it doesn't happen in the earthly time frame, that, by the way, man has created themselves. We created the clocks and the calendars. That did not come from any place other than our interest in setting data points for the function of our reality. So because we've created the time, what we're asking for is usually placed in a time frame. But the 
place that we're asking for help is the universal consciousness, the combined consciousness, the God consciousness, if you will. So if you have a religious belief that God is out there taking care of you, I have no problems with that. If you want to pray instead of manifest, if you want to just go to church instead of meditate, I don't care because it works the same way for all of us. Seven billion people are functioning exactly the same way. And that's what the knowledge shared with me, is that this has to transcend politics, religion, and prejudice, because that's what's keeping us separate from the source. And when we get to book 15, book 12, you'll hear all of that. But in back into your answer, if you mm-hmm. give up, because you have put your manifesting, your praying, on a clock. That answer, in other words, that water might clear up the second after you've dumped it down the drain. Does that make sense? Okay. So remember, there is no time in the universe. And because there is no time, you can't request something, put it on a calendar, and say, well, that didn't work. Because that's what most of us do. Most of us set our realities based on a calendar. You know, we're going to get old. We're going to retire at age 60. So guess what happens? You've created a situation in your life where you retire at age 60. And then if you take a look at professional athletes or entertainers, they disappear after a a particular age. Like, for example, we've pretty much said that you're done in football and if, if you, once you're 35, 36 years old. Why? If you stay in shape and, and your thought process is you want to play to your 50, you should be able to do that. But we've convinced ourselves and programmed ourselves and said, no, the clock says it's time to stop. Point being is that it doesn't matter what age you are at. If you truly focus on what you want in life, you'll get it. And I had, I had somebody say the other day, well, Don, I'm 65 years old, and I would really like to play professional football. And I said to him, if you can tell me that that's the only thing that you want to focus on, you don't want to focus on your grandkids, and you don't want to focus on your family, you don't want to focus on, you know, living, playing golf, whatever you want to do. If you can tell me that the only thing you want to do is play professional football, I'm telling you, that you can go to the gym, work out every single day, tone up your body, do whatever you have to do, and you can make an attempt at making a team. But if somebody that's younger, stronger, faster, smarter, as far as the game is concerned these days, decides they want your position, they'll, they'll knock you out. It really comes down to the focus and the belief. And the reality is, is that 65-year-old guy it had no thought process whatsoever that was ever going to make him play professional sports because he didn't believe in himself. You're making a really clear distinction that there's a big difference between wish and could I, would I, would that be nice, and saying this is truly my t- trajectory. I will not let that Absolutely. coyote hurt animals, that kind of idea. Um, you know, you, yes. you contradicted yourself, so I'm going to, because I know my listeners are thinking this too. You said there's no way to set something on a timetable. I want it by this date. However, you're saying if you're intent on it, anything is possible. And 
I know that in my life I have put those goals down and I have put the timetable on and I have then also mobilized action, intent, thought, emotion, uh, psychic energy, meditational energy, and the deliberateness of all of my actions, coalescing so many forces, making it the dominant experience. And that date, that timetable, has come many times to fruition because that was part of the formula that I was was putting out into the universe. Absolutely. You're right on target with it. I mean, just think yeah. about it. The fact is, is that mm-hmm. part of your reality that you created was the clock and the calendar. Right. So you had set your you had set your intentions based on that clock, but you stayed focused on it. But it, the other the other side of it's also true. You can't just say I want to be rich by the time I'm 21 and not follow the journey. If you don't respond and receive the information that comes to you. For example, if you're 15 years old and you say, I want to be rich by the time I'm 21, and that's really your only focus, then basically when the answers start to come to you, you have to recognize them. So in other words, when a teacher wants to give you extra help, instead of ignoring the teacher, you listen to the teacher, and you learn, and you take the path of being able to get accepted at college, You learn from college. You learn from all of the things that basically are coming to you, and you don't even know because they're not labeled. They don't say, this is step one, two, three, and four. But if you listen and you receive so that if you focus, believe, and then receive the things that come to you, basically the universal consciousness is sending you those answers on how you're going to be rich by the time you're 21. That's why Bill Gates was so successful. He had a focus. I I read about Bill Gates. He had a focus when he was young. He used to sneak out of his parents' house and go to the University of Washington computer lab and and be there for all night long and then go home, sneak back in the window, change his clothes, and go to school. Now, that's focused. (laughs) And and, and if if you look at professional athletes, they start playing sports at a very young age, and they decide that that's their path to riches. And so they become professional athletes, and then somebody else in the suburbs says, well, why do they get the opportunities? I, I like sports, but the problem is, and I, and I did it with my own son. I wish I'd have known what I know now because I wouldn't have done it like this. I gave my son every opportunity, and he took advantage of them, but we weren't really focused on any one thing other than him just enjoying life. And he did. But he didn't become a professional athlete because we didn't focus on a particular sport. Like many of the kids that become professional athletes start at an early age and the coaches take them under their arms, they help them through school, they do this, they do whatever they have to do. And the reality is is they become professional athletes because that's what they always wanted to become. Same with entertainers. Same with doctors, same with lawyers, and some of them may start at a later age. Some of them may not get their focus until they're 16, 17, 20, 40, whatever it is. But they get to create their realities if they just be still and listen. The answers to where they're going with it all will come to them. 
and this is uh, in, in a paradigm for uh, thinking about this is that you're walking through that particle universe and you're sharing it with others, and you can still have tremendous influence on the current the the current of the waves, the current of the particles as they coalesce into and manifesting itself. Um, and so I can see where all this ties in together and that the water inside of you has memory that that also is so affected by the thought, the dominant thought, which is idea number five. And so I'm seeing how these all kind of come together. Now, Don, you've got to walk us into your next your next insight, your next helpful way of steering us because I want them to have this next variable. And I don't know if you want to talk about death. I know that for me, uh, I'm writing a book that called When the Dead Talk, Do, this, Do Scientists Listen?, and we have so many wonderful scientists. Sam Parnia uh, has written a wonderful book called Erasing Death, and he is a scientist in the field of death and dying. We have the, the Neonetic Society that talks about death makes life possible and a project that they have ongoing related to that. So since we're all here going to face death, every single one of us, do you care to walk us into that point of passage, not the end point. <laughs> what do you want to say about that? Okay, well, that, that's a very good question, and I will tell you that it's usually a, a very predominant question. Um, what happens when we die? And if you understand what happens when, when our physical beings are being projected so that you, we can see each other, it's once you understand that deeply, then you understand what happens when we die and what they're talking about when they mention eternity and all of that stuff. The first thing I want to mention, though, is that what happened to me was not a near-death experience. I didn't see any white lights, didn't see any tunnels. I didn't focus on any of that, so I didn't see it, first of all. However, I acknowledged near-death experiences, whereas before I did not. And the reason being is that as long as people understand it was near death, it was not death, then we can continue. Because what happens when you die is not the same exact thing that happens when you're near death. When you're separated from your physical being and you're looking back and you're doing all of that, your particle soup, your reality is still intact. It has not dissipated back into the universe. So dying is totally different than near-death experiences. And people can say they've got near-death experiences and then they compare their experiences. Well, guess what? It has been documented well enough as to what happens in the near-death experience that people can draw those thought particles to them in a near-death experience, whether or not they're wide awake or whether their brain is stopped or their heart is stopped. The fact is, is their realities still surround them. And the importance of understanding that is that the particle soup that we've created as our reality still exists when a near-death experience takes place. Now, what I'm going to share with you is that, and this is like book 12 we're into right now, so everybody just bear with me. If you have particular religious beliefs, I'm throwing out the caveat or the uh, disclaimer right now, Go ahead and continue to have those beliefs. Don't let me take anything from you. Just ponder the possibilities that this is how eternity works. And the fact is is that we've created realities from these subatomic particles 
that exist completely around us. And where they came from was that for the last 3.8 billion years of humanity's existence, we've created individual realities, we die, and those realities dissipate back into the universal consciousness. They clam onto the water particles, the molecules that exist, that they are part of the memory for, and then future generations get to walk through the particle soup that contains all of the thoughts, feelings, beliefs, emotions, knowledge, information from all the generations before us. And if we focus on a particular thing, if we, in, in fact, technology is a great example of this. Technology has evolved, as we know, from thoughts and feelings and beliefs from many generations before us. The Wright brothers started to fly, and then as soon as they accomplished what the birds had provided for them in the universal consciousness, they, they were able to take, get flight, and then they put it up for five years. Now look what happens. We put thousands of people at Boeing or McDonnell Douglas, and as they walk in the doors, we walk them into a particle soup that basically is a group of people that are focused on making bigger, faster, better airplanes. And all of those particles, all of that information that they're absorbing and creating new thoughts and creating new technologies have come from the experience of the people that have died, dissipated their realities back into the universal consciousness. And basically for all of those people that want eternity, this is how it works, folks. The fact is, is that the realities that you create today, the feelings, the emotions, the things that you put together when you die, you leave them as your basis back into the universal consciousness for other people to draw onto. That's why the knowledge has arrived through different sources, because we have to start to shift our current realities from the crap that's going on the governments that believe that they control everything that we do, and they think that by shutting down we're going to stop thinking, it doesn't work that way. And I'm not getting into political things here. The reality is is that the people will start to think, what do we need them for if they're not going to do anything for us? And over time, we're going to evolve so that the political system disappears because through our thoughts, through the powerful things that already exist in the universe, Basically, we are going to be able to create new and better evolved realities from generation to generation to generation. If you look at our generations in the past, we have evolved enormously from way, way back in the 1800s to where they were bringing cattle and wagon trains across the plains to now we can fly over all of it in an airplane. And we've created all of that through the evolutionary thought process. We create better ideas, we die, we dissipate, the people start from that idea rather than starting from scratch. That's how technology has evolved. And I'm going to end with one last little statement for everybody. We okay, walk you around... Don't just yet. Oh, don't worry, I'm not going to let you go. You don't need to end just yet. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. Well, here's, here's, this is a critical point for everybody. We walk around as the baby boomer generation and watching the young people of the world texting with their heads down. And we say, oh, what a shame. They're not communicating with each other. Uh, they've, they've lost the eye contact. Just the opposite, folks. They're evolving. 
because once they're using that little device to text the person that's standing right next to them or sitting across the table from them, they're basically learning how to communicate nonverbally. And when you communicate nonverbally, basically what you're doing is you're evolving your existence to the point where that little device that your thumbs are all over the place and texting people will eventually leave. Technology will eventually replace technology because we're going to get people to the point where they realize that instead of a text or a cell phone, they can actually communicate with each other telepathically using the vibrations that exist in the universe. And when we understand that we can do that and believe it and receive the scientific evidence that will come, we already know that telepathically you can communicate with people. My wife and I have been married for 40 years. And we'll be driving in the car, and I'll look at her, and she says, yeah, it sounds good. Let's go to Payway. I mean, that's just how we will evolve to. So the point that I want to end with, and then we'll, we'll go to your questions, is the fact that we will eventually evolve to a society, to humanity, filled with love and compassion without the need of politics and religion and all of that. And, and please, if you're, if you're traditional, I, I got it. I was too. You have to understand all of that. But the reality is, is that we're headed towards one of two things. We're headed towards understanding how this all works and being able to adjust our thoughts and our feelings, or we're headed for destruction. Because if we continue to be confused, if we continue to think that everybody wants to steal from us, if we continue the greed, the fear, the hate, we are going to create that environment because that is available from the particle soup as much as love and compassion is because of the history and how it works. And I'll end with that one. <laughs> you know, okay, so I'm going to go back and, you know, I'm going to next uh, Thursday, I'm going to take the radio show uh, to uh, an open forum medium reading. And the whole idea that the mediums can communicate with loved ones and that kind of contradicts to some degree what you're saying, but it also makes me think of some Hindu writing where there is always the election of being able to maintain identity or being able to m- melt into the, uh, the unconscious consciousness, the unconscious cosmos, as if, as if you say, I forgo my identity, I'm done with my identity process in, in this universe, I'm, I'm no longer going to reincarnate, I'm no longer going to re-transfigure, uh, and I, I, therefore I abdicate uh, all that I am into the collective. I think of Dalai Lama's book, The Universe in a Single Atom, as, as just one example of that idea. But it seems to me like there's also that capacity to communicate with the dead. And since I've had so many really amazing experiences along those lines, I will not forgo that process. So is it possible? <laughs> See, I'm going to hold on to a rigid idea, but I still want to think about yours. Which is what I want the listeners to do too. Is, is it possible is that that um, we data dump our, our our whatever we created, whatever information we accumulated, whatever points of views we, you know, our our lineage of 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 creation, our thoughts, our, our what we did with our particle suit process, 
that we that we download that and that it becomes part of the cosmos because it already is part of the cosmos whether we're alive in this body or not but it becomes part of the collective to either contribute or destroy or a combination thereof and that we can also continue to coalesce as a consciousness in this form uh, or in a form that's associated to the us that we think that we are so that even as we die do we still not have some capacity to process, to be ourselves if we so opt to because our capacity to create, to be will, to be part of the particle soup does not stop with the ending of our death. And I think to what degree, sorry I'm rambling, but I just want, I think to some degree that this is related to Stuart Hammeroff's materials and other people's materials about consciousness and how consciousness goes beyond the sentient body, goes beyond the neurological process of life and death, that we can now trace a processing of quantum presence of our identity that now goes beyond uh, physical form. Uh, that, so I, I think that what you're saying, I can both say yes and I can say no simultaneously because it sounds like you're saying it dissipates and disappears because it kind of gets diluted um, in, in the cosmos, and I'm suggesting that maybe we can opt for that or maybe we can opt to contribute but still manifest ourselves into the, the next life or the next life if there is reincarnation or into the, the presence of the ghost or the spirit or as a communicate with loved ones. All right, I'm putting you, you on the spot there. I'm not sure those are thoughts others are harboring as well. I'm smiling. I would... I'm truly smiling because you have such a an awareness of of all of this. You have you have risen your consciousness way above the people that walk around in neutral, and I and I compliment you for that. Now <laughs> let me let me let me give you some food for thought that came through with the okay. knowledge because I I, right. I truly had uh, had real concerns when it came to psychics, mediums, and channels because in my prior before my experience, I didn't understand them. I didn't believe them. I didn't accept them because I was a traditional go to work every day, play golf, and that was it. But when my experience happened, because of what happened to me, it opened my mind up totally that there, we do have different dimensions, and that will be in book seven and eight. But the reality is this. Think about what happens many times when you're listening to a medium, for example. They'll scan the audience, and they'll basically say, I'm getting a feeling over here. I'm thinking of John Edward, for example. And I've mm-hmm. gone to see John Edward specifically for this question. And mm-hmm. he'll, he'll pick out a, a person in the audience. And I listen very carefully to the story. It was a drive-by shooting. It was an unexpected accident. They died before their time. The trauma that's around them is still with the reality of the family. And so the family, through focus, is looking for answers. And they're keeping the vibrations that normally would release into the universe for, let's just say somebody dies at 93. The fact is, is that if that person dies at 93, most people say, well, they had a good life. But when it's a trauma situation, and this is something you can check out, but when it's a trauma situation that people are really holding on to the memory of that person and not releasing the vibrations, 
because of how it works, not in spite of, but because of how it works, the fact is is that attraction to hold those particles of belief of that person that they're going to come back sometime is basically so strong that the particles don't dissipate. And, and the reality is, is when there's closure, when people discover who murdered who or when they, they come to a peace of mind that says they're in a better place and those particles get released, they don't get called upon by the medium. I don't think that a medium will ever tell you that they can pick somebody in the audience, every single person, and get a reading on them. Because the vibrations of that individual's reality are totally different from the person sitting next to them that may, in their reality, have a total focus on the person that's passed. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. And and I, I'm finding myself saying this is an interesting point of view. <laughs> okay, well that's good. And, yeah. and the fact is, is that I don't, I, I would never want anybody to say, well, the world according to Don. It's it's knowledge. It's something to ponder. It's something to think about. I, I you and I, there was a word that we both used, and I, I won't use it again for your audience. And the, the reality is, is that we all have our individual realities. People are allowed to say to me, well, Don, that's your point of view. You're right. That's good. I got it. I will just tell you that I walk this earth every single day knowing how life works. And I don't back down from that. I don't dispute with people because their realities may say, no, Don, it's got to work this way. There's got to be a superior being. Somebody had to create all this stuff. The fun thing for me is the knowledge explained how that all works. Regardless of whether it was a superior being that started the process or not, there has to be something that helps people function. Seven billion people, seven different, seven billion realities, all with different jobs, all with different families, all with different ideas and thoughts and process. How does that all work? That's what the knowledge shares with people. You know, that's one thing I, even, I enjoyed about reading your book and talking to you, and I, I just so appreciate the time I've had to do that, is that I don't really feel like what you're saying supersedes or dismisses other points of view um, because there's so much room for integration and, and synergism in, in what you've experienced and what you have a sense of knowing about, and so many other points of view. It kind of creates a, an opportunity for many to coalesce uh, together and at the same time to be challenged in the particulars of what they adhere to that may be more dogma than truth. But now, Don, can you please let the listeners in on what this experience was like for you to have the sudden download? And, and you know, it's interesting because on Monday, the person I interviewed, Sarah Wiseman, um, she described in the year 2000 a very similar process that happened to her. The sense of all-knowingness that was pervasively profound. And so I'm so interested, and, and I, I, so many people have had this experience, and yours is particularly clear and delineated with such clarity. So walk us into what this was like for you. What happened? What was this all about? It, it was extraordinary and still remains extraordinary. And it, fortunately, the knowledge gave me the insights as to how this will all unfold. And it doesn't tell me exactly step by step, because all I need to do is just be still and the answers come to me. So 
as far as the experience itself, it's, it's impossible to express other than the fact it's extraordinary. And what's extraordinary about it is that all of the books that are written, all of the philosophies that are taught, all of the beliefs, all of the, all of the people that are medium psychics channels will, can dispute everything that they want to dispute, and I accept it. I don't argue with anybody. And the reason being is that all of that information comes from the same exact source. Every thought like that a- you have. What's mm-hmm. that? Yeah. I was going to say, it's like we, we're all in the process of creating <laughs> together. And, and, and that's what we're doing. We're, we're drawing these particles together to form our realities so we all have the capability to create a thought as it is. Now, people will, will say, well, Don, that's what you did. You created a belief or a theory. Yeah, I didn't. That's the key. That's why I'm so comfortable in what I talk about is that because of the way the experience took place and because of the knowledge that came with how this all works, I'm able to understand why I understand this better than somebody that may have discounted the experience. And the reason being is that I know that since the age of 10, I focused every night, just for a couple of seconds, I would just say I'd look up in the sky not knowing what I was looking at, And I would just say, if you have the answers to how life works, if you can help me out, I lost seven very good friends in high school of a a school that graduates each class of 55 people. I lost seven friends, a few right ahead of me, a few behind me, some in my class. And the reality was is that I I would even focus more at that point and say, guys, listen, if you're up there, and if there truly is some place that you can send back a message, and please send it back to me. And I never quit asking that. Every single day of my life, that's how I went to sleep at night. Now, it took 46 years. Remember, there's no time in the universe. It took 46 years for me to wake up one morning, totally paralyzed, wide awake, very conscious that it was not a near-death experience, very aware of my surroundings, but not able to move. And the reason that I was paralyzed is very clear to me, because the knowledge gave me that insight. And that's the fact that I had to hear the whole story of how the universe began, how our physical lives work, and what happens when we die, so that I could put the pieces of the puzzle together. And that's why in my book, and, and you'll see a globe on my covers of every book with a missing piece of the humanity puzzle because that's what this is. These are the things that we're not programmed to understand, and once we do understand them scientifically, we will relate to them, we'll believe them, and we'll receive them as our answers. But for me, as far as my experience goes and how was it, it's awesome because every book that's handed to me, I can open it up and I pick out a paragraph and I say, okay, that's the affirmation for that insight that I was thinking about the day before. And the same thing happens with every individual. You see, I'm not unique. And that's why when I tell people that I'm just an ordinary guy that received extraordinary knowledge, it's the fact that we can all do the same thing once we focus on what we want in life. So the experience that I had basically was 
something that had never happened to me before. I've actually tried to duplicate it ever since. It has never happened again. And the reality is, is that what I learned from it is to just be still. So in other words, take the, the fact of being paralyzed, and, and that was one of the lessons. Just be still. And when you're still and you're focused on the answers that you want, when you get really aware and when your consciousness level rises to a level of that of the people that are in the Himalayan mountains meditating, when you get to that level, the answers start to become clear to you. No more war. No fear. Love, mm-hmm. compassion. Do not judge people. And basically forgive everything, both yourself and the world, and quit trying to compete. So all of those answers, when you're still, start to come to you. And that's how we're going to change the world, is when people understand that that's what they need to do, is quit fighting with each other and just listen. Wow, you know, I, we were standing in front of a group giving a presentation and about the power that these individuals had, and they were all incredible healers and had psychic capacities, and, and it's an amazing group of individuals. And I said to them, don't you realize the power that you have to influence the political situation in our government or in Syria, Egypt, merely by your presence? And some of them said, oh, no, 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 we don't want to interfere with what's going on there. We have no way of knowing what their lessons are, what path they need to take. And, okay, I completely understand that everybody wants to be respectful of each other. That's a wonderful attitude. On the other hand, (laughs) if we are sitting by watching people suffer and saying, well, that's too bad, I'm sorry, you have to go through that, and we walk away when we possess power to influence, to assist, to heal, to change the water to change the particles, to contribute to the predominant thought pattern that might yield peace, reasonableness, evolution of humankind, isn't that indeed a wonderful opportunity that I personally think we're responsible for engaging in? (laughs) So you're kind of fueling that thought that I have that we not only have the ability, the power, the tools, we not only know that this can work, and indeed I feel like we should make it work because this is about our evolution. This is about someone else's well-being on a, on a personal level and on a universal level. Continue. Continue to tell us well, about that moment. <laughs> well, before we do, and, and let's okay. just go a little bit and, and make sure that everyone understands that you're both right. Your thoughts about the collective consciousness and their thoughts about not trying to influence other people's realities. Everyone is correct, yes. but here's, yes. here's what the knowledge would acknowledge to you. You and only you, go back to number two, you and only you get to create your reality. If we all learn how this works and we all take and build our realities to be love and compassion instead of war and hate and all of that, if we learn how to do that individually, because of the way that it works, and we're tapping into the collective consciousness, if we take care of ourselves and don't worry about what our neighbor's doing, don't even worry about what your kids are doing, and I don't mean in a non-protective way, 
but let them grow and thrive, and, and as long as they stay safe and healthy, encourage that. Don't worry about what your spouse or significant other is doing that may affect your reality. Let them live their realities. And pretty soon, over the evolutionary process, and it's going to take us generations, people will understand if they fix themselves, not trying to fix others, if they do not judge each other, if they forgive each other plus themselves for whatever thoughts they were perpetrating on the other people, if they get collectively conscious, if they raise their level of awareness, if they tap into the universal consciousness, the God consciousness, whatever earthly word we want to put on it, but if we all do it individually, the strength and the power of that is to the fact that we all really want to live in peace and harmony, but we don't know how to do it. And I, I'll, I'll just, because you've been such an excellent host, I'm just going to say that <laughs> if, if we get through the non-judgment, if we get to the level of where we truly forgive everyone around us and ourselves, if we get to that point, we will have accomplished what we were created to do in the first place, and that is to be oneness to be all in the same conscious thought of a beautiful place. People want to perceive that there's a heaven, and the reason they want to perceive that is they're hoping that there's some place better than what earth is. And the reality is, is that we can create heaven on earth through the combined universe of consciousness if we all are thinking appropriately. power, power to contribute to the well-being of all, and also responsibility to stay true to our own walk and respectful of others. <laughs> yes. It, it, and that's, that's really what it is. And it seems so mm-hmm. simplistic, but mm-hmm. it's so complex. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it, everything. I mean, if you look at what's happening in the news today, and I don't even have to be specific, people know. If you look what's happening and what we're doing to each other and how the argument's going... We're, it's all, everything has created separation. And the people that understand that by keeping the separation, they can keep control, will continue to do that. But the reality is, is when the people over time, and it will come back to this, because you know that people are waking up. And basically, over mm-hmm. time, we're going to wake up enough so that the collective consciousness, which is really the individual reality, will all align and vibrate together and make the social changes that are going to have to be made in order for us to survive. Hmm. Wow. Okay. What was it like for you to sit there for the 24 minutes paralyzed and experience simultaneously, I think as you described it, a sense of nothingness, and a sense of everything. Absolutely. All knowing. And, and, and I, I just tell you, I try, to, I try to duplicate that once in a while because it was so spectacular. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's basically when I was lying there. When it first happened, 
the very first thought was is I was going to jump out of bed and go exercise and couldn't do it. So I was paralyzed. So the very first thought process must be that I'm paralyzed and I don't know what's happening, so tears started to flow because I didn't want to yell. I'm not even sure if I could have. I didn't want to yell to my wife who was sleeping next to me because I didn't want to scare her. But now, I mean, afterwards, I, I thought, well, I probably couldn't have done that anyways. So the reality was is I was sitting there paralyzed, and I've talked to neurosurgeons, and they tell me about all of the, the flukes syndromes and all of the paralysis that takes place. I got it. I understand that everybody wants to label it. It was the purpose specifically to keep me in place while the download took place because here's what happened. I laid there, and I felt very strange and, and scared to start with. And then I realized I couldn't do anything about it, so I sort of calmed down in my thoughts. And then I realized that something was leaving from around me, it just dissipating away. And I use the word dissipating because that was something that I was taught through the knowledge. But it, it, it basically was just leaving from around me. And I just laid there and let it happen because I had no control. And so all of it, I mean, for 23 minutes, everything was just leaping from around me. It just going. And I couldn't stop it. So during that process, I thought, oh, is this all there is? I must be dead because I can't move. Um, I really don't have any thoughts. I was very clear that it, it, it felt as it got towards the end of the time, it felt like it was basically everything had dissipated to the point where I was in total bliss. It felt like I had slept for 100 years. And the only thing I could see, and, and this was very clear, was the digital clock at the end of the bed. That's the only thing that was able for me to focus on. And I knew that it was 23 minutes, exactly, because when it clicked to 624, everything reversed and came back at me like a hurricane. I mean, it was like walking through a hurricane, a, a thunderstorm. The power and the energy that was pushing against me and coming back around me, and then I started to cry again because then I really didn't know what was happening. And all of this stuff was coming at me. So I was still laying there paralyzed, and I noticed very clearly that the clock stuck on 624. It didn't move because things were happening in volumes. Massive things were happening around me that I didn't really understand, but I did know that the clock wasn't moving. Then I really became afraid to start with and, and because I thought maybe this is what happens when you die. But then I started to recognize the knowledge that was with me. And it was the knowledge of, at first, how the universe began. And, and it totally went against the Big Bang theory. It, it just, that Big Bang is a theory. I'm just going to tell you that. That's not how it started. And later on in my process... Um, a couple of years later, I realized that they've expanded the time that the universe has been in existence, and I said, of course they have, because the Big Bang was just a mass that exploded, 
and it came together the same way the particles come together using the Boson process. But that's for another day. So the reality was, as I'm laying there, this information that is starting to clear up is starting to give me how the universe began, how our physical lives, and then what happens when we die, and the clock hasn't moved. I was locked in no time. And the reality of that, that training piece, when I started to sort through this, and it took a couple of years, to be honest with you. This happened November 17, 2009 at 624 in the morning. And when it started to clear up and the insights became clear, I started to say, ah, what I'm getting here is the answer to my question that I've asked for 46 years. And I will tell you that the volume of information was overwhelming but yet manageable because I knew through the process, the educational process that I was given, the, the, the data dump, the download, whatever earthly word we can apply to it, the fact was is that I knew how it worked. So I wasn't afraid of losing the information. I couldn't get out of bed anyways. But when the process was done, and I had been given the insights that I've shared with you folks for the last 90 minutes, when that process took place, I was able to jump out of bed when the clock clicked 625. I jumped out of bed. I, I moved my hands, my fingers. I, I moved my toes. No signs whatsoever of any paralysis. And I went in, and my wife still has the note. I put it on her, on her uh, dressing table, and I just said, I think I've got it. I'm going to exercise. I had no idea that I had truly been given the power of knowing how life works until I took time, was still. When I went to the gym, I stood up on the elliptical and basically closed my eyes. I didn't go to sleep, but all of the stuff was still processing and the insights were processing, and I was laughing, and I was crying, and I was giggling. And mm -hmm. what I did was that I opened my eyes, looked at the clock, and I had been on the elliptical for 90 minutes. And I said, I couldn't have been here for 90 minutes. That's not possible. So I basically got off the elliptical, went out to the registration desk, and sure enough, I had signed in 90 minutes earlier. And I went home, and my wife met me at the door and said, okay, what do you got this time? And so basically I just sat down and cried and talked to her. And then the very during the afternoon and the very next day, it's, it's a little unclear as, as to when it started, but I sat down and I typed 80,000 words. It just poured out of me. Mm -hmm. And I think I mm -hmm. could have kept going if I had really known what I was. I could have had all 15 books done at, at one time. Mm -hmm. But I mm -hmm. sat down, I typed 80,000 words, and finally just out of exhaustion I stopped. But the process, the knowledge is still around me. It's still just here. Hmm. So that's what happened. That's how it felt, and and I'm here. Wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Okay, folks, you've got an interesting set of reads in front of you and in front of me as well. And quite frankly, I think we're ready for those 15 books. <laughs> Donald Sanders, well, I am you, pushy about wanting to get this stuff out. <laughs> And, and, and there's a community that's ready. And the unfortunate yep. thing about that is that the community is small. And when I tell my business manager that I'm going to touch 7 billion people, you know, he cringes, and, and rightly so.
but the reality is is that it's the farmer in Iowa and the factory worker in Detroit, as I mentioned to you earlier, that mm-hmm. basically those thoughts that they have are as powerful as the thoughts of the people that are already on a conscious journey. Mm-hmm. Because if right. we don't shift everyone's knowledge, notice I didn't say their thoughts, that's up to them. But if we don't shift their knowledge so that they understand how this all works, it's not going to do a handful of people any good if they don't have all of the people in the world focused on love, compassion, and building heaven here on earth. Mm-hmm. It's like you'd like to offer them uh, a television set, um, but they have to know how to put the, uh, turn on the on-off button, Absolutely. work on the remote, <laughs> turn channels it, exactly in order right. to learn all that it, information. Yeah. And the good news is, is that because of the consciousness community that's out there, because of the thoughts that we all carry with us, the particle soup is shifting. And when yeah. that farmer in Iowa, and I was a farm boy, so I'm, I'm saying that affectionately, but when the farmer in Iowa eventually walks through the new particle soup, they'll have the ability to say, ooh, that feels pretty good. Ooh, maybe the color of the skin really doesn't make a difference. Mm-hmm. And when they start to resonate with all of that, the world starts to change. Mm-hmm. I know that we talked about that in terms of farmers being so discouraged about having their own organic seeds and, and, and being under a complete attack by Monsanto. Monsanto, I'm always saying that wrong. Because Mons- Monsanto, but I don't want to acknowledge their name. Yeah, but. no, thank you. Well, I can. It's my show. <laughs> when, Monsanto, okay. it, when Monsanto makes it so difficult for farmers to actually breed wonderful organic foods, and threatens their existence, I see farmers collapse under the fear of feeling the impossibility of fighting some power so big, in other words, a dominant thought, and they don't realize that their own coalescence of voices and their own individual mind can be so loud, huge, influential over any other person's dominant thought. So I do so hope that on all levels we can hear your message and then begin to harness our own uh, version of what it means to be that dominant influence in a powerful, positive way. Donald Saunders, thank you so much for sharing, and can you please let us know how to contact you, how to get a hold of your book one more time? Well, absolutely, and you can buy the book on Amazon.com or Barnes & Noble. Um, You can contact me, and I I encourage this, to uh, use my email address. It's Don at the power of knowing how life works.com and i've been told by every computer expert in the world that the, the um, email uh, address is just too long but if you care if you focus on it it's the power of knowing how life works.com so just don at the power of knowing how life works.com send me emails with questions um, keep the hate mail to a minimum, um, and we'll just go from there. <laughs> yeah, you know, those that have hate, you know, you can explore your own depth of understanding, your own depth of your own dominant thought. Thank you so much for putting yourself on the line out there for all sorts of dialogue to take place. And I look forward to talking well, to you again, Don. I want to yeah. thank you for, for what you do as well. Um, it's It's people like you that are giving us the voice 
And there's, there's lots of us. I'm not unique. Everybody brings their own brand. Everybody brings their own thought processes. And eventually we're going to put the pieces together. So I want to thank you for all that you do, and, and please keep up the great work. And I look forward to working with you offline because I think we both have something to share with the world. That sounds so perfect. So listeners, go in peace, go in contemplation, go and strike your force, help those individuals around you, and especially yourself. Take care of yourself. This is Dr. Carol Francis with Don Saunders signing off. Cheers.